I love therapy, and in fact, I've been going to therapy since I was around six years old. Though I talk about therapy a lot and may interview some therapists on the show on occasion, nothing that is said in this podcast should be considered a replacement for therapy. If you are struggling, I urge you to please seek guidance from a therapist because you are absolutely worth it. Wine, Dine, and 69, a podcast about dating, relationships, sex, and self-love. I am your host, Rachel Dalton, coming at you from not my childhood bedroom, my brother's childhood bedroom, which is now the guest room because my mother has converted my old room into an office. So um, coming at you, I wanted the dog to come up here to uh, be a little bit of a guest in this intro, but I tried to get her to come upstairs and she was having none of it. So uh, maybe next time. But uh, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's taking care of themselves. Um, I am back home in Michigan, where I come from originally. Um, And just, you know, taking some time to spend time with family, spend time with old friends. Um, You know, I'm actually going to see my best friend who I haven't seen in two years because of COVID um, this weekend. So I'm super excited about that. Um, Yeah, and really just, I don't know, it's been a good feeling to come back to my roots you know I as listeners know I you know live in Philly I've lived in Philly for eight years and I love my life in Philly Uh, but sometimes I feel like I get so wrapped up in the I don't know the materialism and the stress and the social aspects and anxiety and I don't know I just feel like in in the city it's really easy for me to get wrapped up in those things and so it's been really good for me to come back home. Not that I'm completely free of all of those things here, but I don't know, just to kind of revisit my childhood a little bit. Um, you know, I have a picture of myself when I was like 12 or 13 and it's on my mirror and um, I kind of just do a little bit of inner child work, you know, to look at it and, and say kind things because um, if you wouldn't say it to your inner child, you shouldn't be saying it to yourself now. Anyway, um, we're going to have a great conversation today with sexologist Dr. Stacy. I completely forgot this was an interview I recorded way back when, um, and I completely forgot how much I loved it. It's one of my favorites. So I'm very excited to share it now, and we go over so many interesting things. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. But first, maybe it's being home and thinking about like when I was younger and all of those memories come flooding back or whatever but did anybody else in like middle school have sex bracelets like tell me if you did please email wine dine all ports open or let me know on social media um i was sitting doing my work today and all of a sudden this memory about sex bracelets comes back to me. I'm I'm not sure where it came from. Again, maybe being home, you know, I did see um, an old friend from, you know, high school, actually dated him for three days in the eighth grade um, back last week. And so it could be related to, you know, the fact that we were reminiscing. But yeah, so these were jelly bracelets, which I guess have been around for like a really long time. But they, this was, this must have been like 2003... 2001 to like 2004 yeah it must have been like my middle school range 
and there were different color jelly bracelets there was like the only ones i remember was like black and blue the blue if a guy i guess if anybody snapped your blue bracelet then you owed quote unquote them a blowjob and if someone snapped your black bracelet then you owed them sex and this is so problematic as i say it out loud but it was a thing that uh, we did in middle school that i heard about uh whatever um obviously i did not partake in any of those activities i was uh a virgin at that time and was not <laughs> engaged in sex um but i think i probably quote unquote oh <laughs> a few blowjobs and um a few a few rounds out there um so i, I everybody can hold their breath i guess is what i'm saying here <laughs> anyway um yeah so i don't know i was just thinking about it. let me know you know actually i don't know i wonder if let's see i'm gonna pull ah snopes snopes.com does have an article about this i'll link it in in the episode notes um <laughs> okay yeah so yellow was hugging purple was kissing red was a lap dance blue was oral sex and black is intercourse wow i remember that okay so it's here and apparently it's a legend ah i'm off the hook that's good to know it's a legend probably created by boys going through puberty in middle school um okay good to know Whew, i've that's a weight off my chest i guess but this article is really long um definitely check it out in the episode notes like i said and it talks about the origins yeah it's been wow lots of different times when it was mentioned oh as recently as 2009 it looks like hmm very spicy very risque anyway that was a thing that i had completely forgotten about until today when i was supposed to be working and i was like i wonder if this was a michigan thing i wonder apparently it's not it was a thing in florida too go fucking figure um based on the snopes article but i'm wondering if it was a place like all around or if it was something that, you know, was just kind of in different places. So if you grew up with the sex bracelets, that if you snap the certain color, then that's what you quote unquote owe the person. Uh, number one, you were off the hook um, and you would have been off the hook before this PSA. But I am letting you know now. Snopes.com confirmed it. You are off the hook. <laughs> uh, and if you haven't heard of it, now you have a weird fact about my middle school years and this really fucked up game that we played in the hallways um so that's that love love sharing um <laughs> and i do a lot of that in the rest of the episode too uh it was really cool to great transition rachel it was really cool to talk to dr stacy uh you know the main topic that we started with was morning sex because i have opinions about morning sex um it's it's good but i i find that it's usually treated as a, a you know more of a getting off experience than a connective experience and for me i really like sex to you know be connected so um but after talking to dr stacy i tried to change my thinking a little bit on it um and she has so many helpful ideas here so we talk about that we talk about how to be confident um during sex and how to 
tell people what you want if you have differing sex drives? How do you handle that? What about anxiety during sex? Um, how can you approach sex positively? How can you communicate? Uh, we covered so much and it was, yeah, a fantastic conversation. Definitely want to have her back on at some point in 2022 to talk about all sorts of other fun things. Um, so yeah, I will cut to a commercial break and then we'll get to this, uh, episode with Dr. Stacy. and everybody stay safe, happy holidays and be well. Hey there, I'm Megan Martin, and I put the manic and manic pixie dream girl. And I'm Janelle Megan, and I'm a self-proclaimed Bond girl, and I make every conversation way too deep. We are both professional actors, producers, and models. Cause and Creation is a podcast where we talk about all things creative, including interviewing other awesome artists that are breaking new ground. We'll be taking a deep dive into who they are, the work they do, and more importantly, what moves them as artists. You'll get an inside look into the minds of award-winning filmmakers who are promoting new content, writers who are on the first draft of their novel, video game designers who are creating a whole new world from scratch, and so much more. If you want to get to know a creative, or just want to get to know us, come hang out with us at Cause and Creation every other Thursday. Cue the applause. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am here today with Dr. Stacy, and I'm so excited to talk to you today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about sex. <laughs> yes, I know. Me too. I, uh, you know, we talk about a number of things on this show, you know, ranging from sex to relationships to dating, um, which has been interesting in COVID, all of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, to self-love, because what I've really realized is all of those things only get better if uh, you have that basis of self-love. Absolutely. Which is kind of like what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about like some confidence things, um, how to be present, differing sex drives, how you can work to get into a mood with a partner. Um, one of the main questions that I have for you is why is morning sex even a thing? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hate it so much. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But it, for some reason, appears to be like a, a thing that a lot of um, people with penises are are into. So uh, <laughs> one of the things I want to know, I mean, off the bat, I guess we'll just jump into it, is how can you make morning sex more enjoyable, especially when you're not feeling confident? You know, um, maybe you haven't showered since the day before and your breath smells and, you know, you have a zit on your forehead. These are the things that I deal with and I think about. So, uh, yeah, like throw, throw it at me, throw your advice at me. Okay. Well, first of all, um, we're, <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, we just totally got into that. That's so funny because men, <laughs> the reason why men more so obviously is because a lot of times they wake up with the morning erection and that's not sure. really their fault. It's not like you're doing something in the middle of the night that's turning them on. It's just, <laughs> they wake up, they get this extra blood flow. They usually have to go to the bathroom and then they come back and then, you know, it's, it's a new day. It's a new erection. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know. For, know. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, the way I look at it, I actually like the morning sex because usually you can do a nice quickie and it starts your day feeling close to your partner. And so if you kind of, you know, especially for women, changing your mindset, you don't have to kiss in the morning. You can just do a little quickie, get out some lube if you're not necessarily, you know, ready or whatever, mm. but you can uh, just say, okay, let me go brush my teeth real quick if you really needed to do that. 
And Mm -hmm. you can just say, okay, well, you know what? I showered yesterday, but I don't feel as clean. Let's not do oral. So that way, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you could talk to your partner and still make it fun. I know a lot of times in the morning, if we're snuggling before we go to work and all of a sudden you feel this, you know, thing on your back. <laughs> You're like, what's going on there? You know, um, it might be fun just to say, okay, let's let's just stick it in for a couple minutes and let's just have a good time. And it doesn't have to be this whole lovemaking experience and this whole, it could just be casual sex. And sometimes as women, it's sometimes difficult to put yourself in that mindset because you have to think, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. It becomes a chore. Mm-hmm. So it's really just about saying to your partner, oh, I, yeah, I'm happy to do something. I just don't want to kiss right now because my breath, my breath is bad. Or, or you know what? You wake up and you go in the shower together. And that's yeah, sometimes that's fun too. Idea. Yeah. I mean, the that's showers are great. You, you, you haven't taken a shower since yesterday and you want to have sex and you might not necessarily be in the mood, but if you get in the shower together and you wash each other off, you'll all of a sudden start feeling, you know what, maybe I can do this or bend over yeah. in the shower or something like that. There's there's ways to make morning sex a little more enjoyable. Okay. And a lot of it seems like has to do with mindset. It's 100% because usually you wake up and like you said, you're not feeling 100% the most sexy because you haven't showered that morning or or maybe you didn't shower the night before, or, you know, like you said, your breath is, is bad, but you don't have to make it and make it into this magical experience. And you don't have to worry all the time about the orgasm. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just fun to connect with your partner. So when you go to work, you're in a good mood. It definitely starts your day with a pep in your step. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And, you know, I say that to people all the time that sex doesn't always have to have this goalpost of the orgasm that like, you know, you don't have to come, he doesn't have to come. And it can just be like a connective experience and fun. Right. And a lot of people like, what do you talk about? (laughs) You know, (laughs) but that's, that's the point is that one of the things that I try to help with is giving that mindset of the journey of the experience rather than the destination. Because so many people will just say, well, what if I don't have an orgasm? Okay, so you don't have an orgasm. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? Why are you having sex in the first place? Just for the orgasm? Or is it for connecting with your partner? Is it to show your partner you love them, that you're attracted to them, that you desire them? Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And so it like we go back to the mindset. It just has to do with really feeling like you want to connect and make your partner feel good. Yeah, I really love that. Um, and it's important to remember, too, that uh, it's, it really is a matter of uh, biology that, that that's a desire in the morning. <laughs> right. And then you know what? For the And this is just a tip, okay, for the women. If you think that you might be busy in the evening and you know that you have a partner that likes to do it sometimes in the evening, sometimes in the morning, if you do it in the morning, then maybe you may not feel as obligated to do it in the Mm -hmm. evening and you may be able to feel a little different with how you're connecting with your partner and you may not feel the stress after a long day. So sometimes that morning can be better. So you don't have to worry about taking care of the kids all day and then having sex. And so, everybody's going to have a better day if they've got laid, gotten laid first. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. That's Amen. a really good point. I, um, 
I don't live with my partner actually. So, uh, you know, when we, um, are doing, doing the deed, it's usually, uh, during the weekend. So it's kind of just like a lazy, lazy way to start the day, which is, which is really nice. But I just worry about, I don't know, come kind of comes down to confidence. Like I'm like, Oh, like I had wine last night and I feel like I still have like wine stains around my mouth or, you know, you know, brush my teeth. But what I like to say is if we're talking about a heterosexual relationship here, most men are not going to care if they are getting laid. They don't care about your (laughs) breath. They don't care if you had wine last night and you have wine stains on your mouth. That's the fun of it. And sex needs to be fun. We take too much time worrying about what people think, what people are saying, what your body looks like. You know what? The morning, your hair is going to be a mess. You might have makeup down your eyes. Who gives a crap? You know, (laughs) really? It doesn't, you know, you. and that goes back to why are you having sex? Because it's Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be fun. And if you're not having fun and laughing and having a good time during sex, you are doing it wrong. Yeah. That's I, that's a big thing. And I just – that's the same advice that I give everybody else. And when it comes to morning sex, I probably should just take my own advice. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess now that we've covered that really pressing question that clearly I needed an answer to, um, tell me about you and how you got into this work um, and kind of what uh, you know your practice looks like. Well, I love talking about sex and I have my entire life. And I think that when I was younger in um, high school, people actually used to call me Dr. Ruth because I was the one person that everybody came to, that everybody talked to, everyone could trust. They knew that I would never have any judgment. And I was just very casual just about the whole subject. And so it was easy for me to talk about and not look at people in a certain way because of what they did sexually. Um, and who they were, who they were through their gender or their sexual orientation. And so since I was in high school, it's just been something I loved talking about and, and, and doing. And then when I started getting into college, I needed a career or something that I can do once I had kids because I was doing ultrasound for about 26 years. But mm, I wanted something okay. My that... My best friend does that. Oh, really? It's, it's great yeah. because not only do I understand the sexual aspect, but I also understand the physical aspect, the disease processes that people have to go through and just know the body on a little bit of a different level, knowing sure. the medicine of it. But I, the way that the journey actually started for me is once I started having kids, I wanted to do something that could be like one of those toy parties where you can sell the toys and you have like the the plastic that wiggles and jiggles and makes your friends giggle. It's kind of like the Tupperware parties, <laughs> but with the toys. Um, and then what happened is that after I had my daughter, I started having a lot of issues for myself. I had painful sex for probably a good six years. And wow. so um, it did do a lot of damage with my marriage. I am no longer in my marriage. I'm in a new marriage, but we're still very close, me and my ex. Um, but it does, you know, painful sex is real and it caused a lot of problems. And so at that point I identified as sex. That was kind of like, who am I? I'm sex, you know? So when you Mm -hmm. took that off the table, I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I'm no longer a good mom. I'm no longer a good wife, no longer a good lover. What do I do? And I found a sex therapist, um, cause they didn't have sex coaches at that time. Uh, found someone to kind of help me. And I was like, you know what? There was only like two people in my entire area. 
And so I said, you know what, I'm already helping people with this um, intimacy of the toys and, and connecting. This is something that maybe I should look into. And it was just nice to have a safe place to really talk about sex because it's so taboo for so many people. And that's kind of where it started my journey to be a sex coach and a sexologist. That's awesome. Uh, What kind of uh, like classes did you need to take or certification? I have a uh, psychology degree, a bachelor's. And then I went for my coaching certification, which is a master's equivalent in sexology at a sex coach university. And then I went to the Institute of Advanced Study for Human Sexuality to get my doctorate in human sexuality. So I went all the way um, just because, you know, it's hard in the sexuality field that a lot of people don't always take you seriously. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure I had as much education as I can. And uh, between that and the medical field, I have a lot of different ways to help others. And it's just very rewarding because not only does it help um, me learning what I've learned and just going through my own personal journey, but I see marriages and people and kind of like what we were talking about with the confidence. There's so many people, especially women, that need that support and just don't really know where to get it. And so I'm glad to be that person. That's awesome. And uh, such a cool journey. Um, I find that most of the people that I talk to who kind of find themselves in this field had their own emotional journey that led them to, you know, make the decision that, no, this is what I want to do. Absolutely. Um, so I love, I love hearing those stories. Um, kind of going back to the the sexual confidence, I think that it can very frequently link to anxiety. And this goes both for, um, you know, people with penises and people oh, with yeah, vaginas. Absolutely. It, it, uh, it can be, you know, anxiety that manifests in somebody not being able to keep a boner or um, anxiety with, you know, not being lubricated and anxiety just in general about the body. How like would you or just I mean, for me, sometimes it can just be how the fuck do I get it out of my own head and just mm-hmm. allow myself to be fully present? So like what would you what advice would you have for people who may struggle with one many of those different scenarios? And are there any that I missed? Um, well, it's pretty much my entire practice right now. Uh, <laughs> the, la- the last few days, that's all I've been doing is trying to help people with their confidence and with their uh, anxiety levels. Now, mind you, I'm not a therapist. So if there is any issues with um, anxiety that is deep rooted, I definitely refer mm-hmm. out for people to get that therapy. But a lot of times, they could be perfectly normal without anxiety and in most of their life. But then when it comes to being intimate and sex, that's where a lot of that anxiety comes into. So, you know, we definitely try to goes back to the mindset is, is asking what is sex about, you know, thinking about what is the meaning of it and who are you having it with? And if you're having it with a partner, you know, do they love you? Do they respect you? And, and trying to, understand that sex is not about what your body looks like. And for some people, of course, they might be like, okay, well, you're overweight. I'm not attracted to you. And those that is possible. But you hope to be in a relationship or a situation where you are with someone who loves you for who you are and not necessarily those right. extra five pounds you gain. But a lot of it is about focusing on your pleasure and not always focusing on others. Like for instance, you talked about the guys. 
I work with a lot of men that have the anxiety, uh, performance anxiety, where they have no problem with an erection. And then as soon as they go to have sex, it goes down. Yeah. And of course, that's just because they are focusing on performance and not focusing on pleasure. And so I tell them, own that cock. Excuse my language. No, <laughs> own it. Th- hey, you the know? podcast called Wine Time at 69. You okay. Can- <laughs> but own it. Like, look at it and look at how beautiful it is and how it stands up mm-hmm. straight, how strong it is, how good you feel. And stop worrying so much about what the woman thinks. Okay. And this is something, yes, you want to make your partner happy. Yes, you want to make your partner feel good. But you are going to do that by having more confidence in yourself to know what you have is a treasure. Okay. Penises are beautiful. All right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the men that have the performance anxiety are so worried what the woman is going to think of their penis or what the woman's going to think of how long they can have an erection or can they ejaculate too soon, too late. It's not about that. Keep that focused on the pleasure and how it feels and how it looks and, and what you can do for your partner in other ways besides the function of the penis. Mm-hmm. Because Yeah, people- I think there's a lot of focus on, on the penis, but hey, like most women that I know love being eaten out. So, Well, that's what, exactly. They love oral, they love fingers, they love, there's so many other things. And so as women, this is another thing that sometimes women can make things worse by putting it on themselves, by saying, what's wrong with me? Are you not attracted yes. to me? Yes. What did I do wrong? And that makes the men feel that much worse. Yep. And so we as women have to make sure to take that off the table and stop putting that insecurity on ourselves and just understand men have stress, men have uh, nerves, men have things going on. Women, it's very easy. You stick some lube on, you could stick it in. Mm-hmm. Men, <laughs> it's not that easy. So in the case of men with anxiety, it's about the man really owning themselves and being proud of their penis and and thinking about what's going to feel good for them because when they feel confident and they feel good it's going to feel good for the woman as well absolutely and society can definitely help with that you know the the jokes about um penis size or shape or you know i've been guilty of it in the past or you know how long somebody lasts uh, is not helpful <laughs> exactly exactly You're like oh gosh you know yeah my, my partner only lasts two minutes a lot of people don't realize the average uh length of time that someone i say our age between let's say you know 40 50 60 some of those ages the average time is only four minutes four or five mm-hmm. minutes um, as you get younger, obviously it's like seven to 10 minutes. Uh, but sure. you know, I have people coming in and saying, I, you know, I'm, I'm ejaculating too early and I'm like, well, how long is too early? They're like, I don't know, four or five minutes. And I'm like, seriously, that's, that's normal. That's, great. that's normal. Yeah. They're like, well, I want to last 45. I'm like, well, I'm sure your woman does not want you to last 45. No, seriously. That's the thing. No. <laughs> it's a lot. Very rare circumstances. Do I want 45 minutes worth of penetration? I mean, exactly. I'll take 40, 45 minutes worth of like foreplay making out for 10 minutes, you know, and then that's my ideal is foreplay for 30 minutes, sex for like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think that a lot of times they that people get societal pressures as to what is expected with sex and, and that gets into the mind. But 
you had asked some of the things that could help, you know, um, turning the mindset onto themselves and focusing on pleasure versus the actual performance. And a lot of people feel like they have to have sex every time, which you don't. Um, And then breathing, you know, just trying to relax because what happens when you have anxiety with women or, or men, all that blood flow that is down below is coming up is like that fight or flight feeling. And it's coming up from the genitals to the heart and, and your lungs and your head to help you breathe, to help you focus. So all that blood flow when you have anxiety is just whoop, going right up to the top. Mm. Yeah, so it's important to remember that, the bio- exactly. again, the biology and physiology of it. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. I think, so what can uh, people who don't, the if there's a partner that doesn't have a penis, um, what can they do to be more supportive of a partner who may be struggling with some performance anxiety. I I mean, I'm raunchy as hell, so I'll just be like, do you want me to sit on your face for a little bit? There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's it's it's about focusing on possible non um penetrating things because even if you are in a lesbian relationship, people have toys, people play, mm-hmm. um people are focusing on orgasm. It's not the focus it's communication, asking what you want. And sometimes it's just about touching. You know, if there is any anxiety, you have to start slow, start from the beginning, start from just, you know, making out so many people. And I joke around and I say, you know, when was the last time that you kissed your partner's ankle? And they look at me, they're like their ankle. And I said, (laughs) yeah, what about behind their knee? And they look at me like I'm crazy. And I said, people go from the lips, the nips, below the hips. And that's what the pattern is. Mm -hmm. Screw the pattern. Get out, find the erogenous zones, kiss the ears, the neck, the eyebrows, kiss under the eye, kiss the eyeball. Well, not the eyeball, but the eyelid. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Kiss the arm and the crease where the elbow bends. You know, there's so many places that you don't realize exist and I had people sitting on my couch, not my couch, but my office couch for 40, you know, for 40 years, they've been together. And I say, when was the last time you touched their ankle? And they look at me like, I have no idea. I don't think I ever did. But you're with this body. So mm-hmm. people are so focused on penetrative sex and so focused on orgasm, that whether you're in a, a gay, lesbian, bisexual, whatever relationship you're in, focus on loving that person and having pleasure with that person. It's going to make so much of a difference with that mindset. Yeah, I think that's really important to remember. And this thought just occurred to me. Um, I know, especially, and this definitely has to do with confidence as well. I know that when people are younger, especially and in like the college years, uh, hooking up, hookup culture and having sex when under the influence, which comes with its own problems Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to consent and everything. But I mean, I think that can kind of continue on past that where people I've heard stories about people just generally feeling more comfortable having sex when they've had a couple of drinks. And I'm wondering, um, you know, what's what's the reasoning behind that and what's, you know, a way to combat that so that, you know, you're not just horny when you're right. drinking. Right. I, I, I had a little chuckle because I have three single women. They're not single, but they're with they're with a, um, a partner but they're talking to me singly because they don't want their partner involved just yet. But Mm -hmm. all of them, all three of them saying that they can get into it more 
when they've had a glass of wine or when they've had right. a drink. Otherwise, they can't get into it. And it's such a pattern for so many people. And like you said, these people are in their 30s and their 40s. And so that's how they have learned to be confident is that liquid courage. You know, they're not alcoholics by all means. It's just, you know, they like to have that drink to relax them. But that does start in those younger years because you don't have the experience as far as communication and relationships. The hookup culture is so, um, you know, come over at two in the morning, get screwed, mm-hmm. go home. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my daughter and my son are in those ages. My, my daughter's in college and my son's graduating high school. So, you know, it's that age range where people just go out, they go have fun. And like, what happened to dating? What happened to all of that? Right. So right. I think that when people are not under the influence, they don't know how to be confident because they have counted on that liquid courage for so many years. Mm-hmm. So it really has to do with appreciating you and your body and what you have to offer. Because once again, it's not, you know, if someone is interested in you and they're wanting to be with you, they're not so focused on every nook and cranny that you are. And so a lot of times we offer, or I like to give people a mirror exercise. I don't know if you've ever heard of the mirror exercise. Uh, go on. And I, if it's what I think it is, then yes. But yeah. Maybe it's something different. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, um, you know, you can start off with clothes on or you can start with without clothes. It just depends on, you know, where you're at comfortable wise. But you have to every single day look in the mirror and find something that is beautiful about you or something that you like. And, and yeah. it doesn't even necessarily have to be sexual. It doesn't have to be, you know, it could even just be, oh, well, I like the size of my areola. Mm-hmm. Or I like the, the way my neck looks when my hair is up. Or I like when my hair is down and it covers my chest. And I can see it just with my boobs sticking out on one, you yeah. know, one area. It could just be, I have really pretty hands. Just that constant positivity about your body yeah. because you look in the mirror, the first thing people are going to usually say is, oh, God, look at my stomach. It's hanging. Look at this fat roll. Oh, look at this. And that's how you're bringing it into the bedroom. Mm, that's so true. And it's so funny that you say that because uh, that is the advice that I gave in college. <laughs> uh, and I, I literally just gave this advice like the other day too, to somebody. Yeah. I was like, I want you to go into the bedroom first thing in the morning. And I was like, I don't care if it's like the birthmark, you know, on your neck. (laughs) Exactly. Just focus on it. It's true though. And it's just, we're so used to putting ourselves down and, you know, and a lot of people like, well, I don't really think that there's much about me that's beautiful. And I'm like, you're going to find something, even if it's one thing and you're going to say it every day. And anytime you have something that's negative to say, you're not going to say it and you're going to replace it with something positive. So if you're going to say, oh, I hate these stretch marks, you're going to say, wow, these stretch marks delivered a baby, or not delivered a baby, Mm -hmm. but brought me a child. Look at this body just did. And so you have to counteract any of those negative thoughts to the positive. And that will help with confidence for how you feel when you're being naked, when you're being intimate. Um, And that is a lot of the reasons why people have struggles, you know, when they're not drinking is because when they're drinking, they don't necessarily care. They're like, woo, woo, you know? Um, Yeah. But the, the confidence a lot on self-image, body image is a big thing. And even just confidence as to what to do sexually is how to even get started, how to initiate. Oh, yeah. I definitely um, 
have, have dealt with that before. I found, I mean, there's different styles of doing it too. You can be cute. You can be coy. You can just grab. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my style has always been just being out at dinner, looking at the person across the table and being like, I'd really like to go home and have sex, have sex after this. Mm-hmm. There are totally different ways to do it too. So um, yeah, I love that advice. And I think too, so are you saying too that, you know, if there's somebody who just maybe they only get that tingle when they're drinking, you think that it's still related to that confidence? It can be, and it could be because you have to do things to help build desire. And of course, when you're relaxed and you're laid back and you're drinking and you're out and you're partying, you're not really thinking about the bills and the house and the kids. And so you are a little bit more open-minded to being intimate. Mm -hmm. So there are opportunities that will come up that you could be intimate when you're not drinking, but you may not necessarily be in the mood because you are home thinking about all these things. So there has to be ways to build desire. And that's through the day with, you know, sexy texts or flirty banter or, um, you know, sometimes even scheduling it to know that Mm -hmm. it's coming up and, and saying, okay, well, tonight we'll take a bath tonight or tomorrow we'll do, we'll play a game do variety, do different things to spur some of that interest. So that way, if you're not drinking, you can know what's coming, maybe plan ahead a little bit and feel a little bit better about the situation because you'll know you're showered. You'll know you're feeling a little bit better. You know not to have a huge meal where your stomach feels like you you just ate a horse. (laughs) You know, Um, I think that that would help also with the confidence as well. Yeah, that's really uh, good. And I think that brings home this point of, you know, foreplay is, it's not just, you know, when you get to the bedroom, foreplay can be an all day thing. It can be, it doesn't even need to be physical or flirty. Like, I mean, I know for me having an intellectual conversation and Mm -hmm. feel like I'm connecting with somebody on like a philosophical level um, is foreplay for me. So absolutely, there's lots of different kinds. And that's the thing that um, needs to be remembered is that you could have a whole day I talk to many couples and I'll ask them, you know, one of the first things I do is when I have the um, couple session, because then I do one-to-one separately. So I get to learn each person's needs specifically. But when I do the couple session, I always ask, what is your day like? When do you communicate? How do you talk when you communicate? Is it all about work? And then they come home and they have dinner and they're working with the kids and they're doing this and doing that. And they get into the bedroom and they expect to have sex. They're like, well, we don't talk really during the day because I'm busy at work. So there's nothing Mm -hmm. preparing you for the evening. And so when the person comes home, you may be like just not really caring what you look like or you, you know, it's nice to sometimes have some of that conversation or some of that banter or whatever. I know when, for example, my husband, every morning or sometime during the day, I'll talk with him on the phone or before he leaves. He always asks me, what can I do for you today? Is there anything that you need help with? Is there something that you need support for? Every single (laughs) day. It it seriously is. And I look at him and I'm I'm like, God, this guy, I said, I'm so in love, you know, and it makes me want him. It makes me, even if I'm not in the mood, it makes me want to do something for him to give him Mm -hmm. the pleasure to be able to feel good about himself, to know how much I love him. And that's another thing is that with the obligation there's so many people that feel obligated to have sex. And majority of the time it is women. And yes, a lot of women will say all he wants is sex. All he, all they want is sex. 
well, it's not sex necessarily to the man. Right. It's love. It's how they feel loved. And so we have to be able to understand that just as much as we want some of this affection and, and, you know, uh, attention, whatever we want, men want it as well. And that's Mm -hmm. how they feel manly. That's how they feel desired. And so sometimes it's just fun to just say, I'm not really in the mood tonight, but I really wanted to make you feel good. Let's go in the shower. I'll get you off and we'll have a good time. And that's it. And you're done in five minutes. You know, yeah. it doesn't it have to, to be, be a big thing. Exactly. It doesn't have to be a big thing. And that's what people kind of forget. Yeah, it's a uh, penetration is always the, the such a focus in straight couples. And I think that, um, you know, I, I'm straight and I, I always have to remind myself, like, that's not such a focal point for everybody, Rachel. Like, I mean, in, in many ways, like a lot of uh, non-straight relationships are are healthier because there's less of a focus on that. I mean, maybe right. that's a general statement. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's been my feeling. Well, they do say that um, they they do say lesbian relationships, the women do have more orgasms, right. <laughs> you know. But uh, the and that's another thing is that a lot of women feel pressure to have the orgasm with sex because they've been told by their partners, their male partners that, oh, everybody else had orgasms. Why aren't nope. you? You're not attracted to me. Nope. <laughs> a lot of women, a lot of men, a lot of people don't realize that only 25% of women could have an orgasm through intercourse. The majority Absolutely. of women do not. So Absolutely. yeah, so toys are important to use. Um, like you said, you like the foreplay for you know, 20, 30 minutes. Women need at least 20 minutes of foreplay to be able to have an orgasm through sex majority of the time. You know, oh, that's um, a very interesting uh, piece of info. Yeah, they do because you can't. They, okay. they need that build up. You need that that throbbing feel. You need that intensity. Mm-hmm. You can't just you know with a vibrator you could do it in in two minutes or less. You know, but with a uh, a person you need a little bit more of that um, foreplay. But I think in any relationship I've worked, I work a lot with the LGBT community and. Um, you know, the last two lesbian relationships that I worked with, uh, they had a lot of mismatched sex drives. And I know that was something that we were going to get to also. But yes, that was literally the next thing yeah. I wanted to get to. It's a perfect segue. Yeah, well, there you go. So it's not just about, you know, heterosexual relationships, but here you have two women that uh, one has a much higher drive than the other. One is much more open than the other. One is much less self-confidence than the other. And it's the same type of situation that you find in, in heterosexual relationships. And so in that relationship, obviously, there's not that focus on penetration, but it's the whole idea of, well, I don't want to have oral because I feel like I smell or I feel like I mm-hmm. taste bad or I feel like um, you know, I'm not going to be able to have the orgasm. It's the same type of pressures that everybody has. And definitely. Yeah. And her partner's like, listen, I just enjoy doing it. I don't care if if you're not going to smell good, we could take a shower. You know, it's not a big deal. And she's just telling her that she loves her for who she is and just enjoys making her feel good. We have to listen to that. We have to understand that our partners are not going to lie to us about that. They're not going to go down there if it's so awful. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they're not going to put themselves through that. They're going to be like, oh, go take a shower, you know. Yeah, there's uh, one of the big things I'm taking away from this is like just society, the jokes about like vaginas smelling like fish or looking like, you know, deli meat, um, right. you know, and the jokes about like penis size or shape or, you know, p- 
I mean, both sexes have been damaged. Right. By those. And uh, yeah, we really need to, to, to figure that out because it's um, not helpful for anyone. <laughs> no, it's not. And I have, a, um, I have a Facebook group. It's called Intimacy, Sex, and Empowerment for Women. And then I have a Men's Sexual Health and Empowerment for Men. And the men one I just started, but the women has been about a year and a half. And a lot of the questions on there are about confidence, are about, um, you know, one woman had recently posted something about her labia and just saying that she felt so uncomfortable that she didn't want oral because she thought her lips were too big down there. And then I went ahead and I went and I posted on the men's site what they thought about women's lips and sizes. And they're like, oh, every size is just as beautiful as the next. And I took Mm -hmm. that and I posted some of the answers, obviously keeping anonymity. Anonymity? How do you Um, Oh my God, I struggle with that word so much. (laughs) And, you know, took out all the names and everything. And the women were like, oh my God, wow, the men really don't care. I'm like, no. They're just happy to be there. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And that's that's the thing is that we got to get these people talking to each other. You know, we have to be confident in our communication with our partner, whether it's a man or a woman or or non-binary, whatever you are. It's about that communication with your partner to say, this is my concern. This is what I'm nervous about. This is what I'm anxious about. And if your partner's saying, listen, I'm just happy to be down there. I'm just happy to give you a blowjob. I'm just happy to, you know, eat you out. I'm happy to just stick you in me, whatever it is. Believe them and have the confidence to know that this is all about having fun with somebody and having a connection. And it's not about who cares about the stretch mark and the role or this or that. It's just about your connection with somebody else. Definitely. Well, what's the advice that you gave and that you would give to people with mismatched sex drives? I mean, I know that in some cases it might be a deal breaker. Um, there's probably, you know, fears of, well, if they're not getting it here, where are they getting at? Like, well, I mean, some right. people may decide to open up their relationships. Like, is it a deal breaker? What are some discussions that can be had? You know, what, just give me a quick overview of um yeah and I'm glad that you brought up the uh, opening the marriage too because a lot of people don't realize that's an option and and that's mm-hmm. a lot due to society too um and there's a lot of people that are not interested in it but that is an option obviously to go outside of the marriage and have an open marriage or a swinging lifestyle or a polyamorous lifestyle those are all things that if done properly can be successful um, I've been Definitely. in similar situations and similar lifestyles and have had a lot of success. Um, you know, being able to still have a, a good relationship with a partner. So that would be one option. But usually that would be something that I would recommend at the end of it if things aren't really working and they mm-hmm. are open. But the differences in times of the day, you know, um, like the mismatched sex drive where being the man might be more open in the morning than the woman. And mm-hmm. you don't have to necessarily be into it at that time or feel so in the mood for sex, but it's still sometimes nice to do something for your partner, male and female, because a lot of men don't ever just ask the female. You know, a lot of, I found a lot of uh, females will do things for their men, and a lot of men may not just go out of their way just to give their female pleasure. Um, So that is something that needs to be worked on. But the mismatched sex drives is, is trying things at different times of the day, trying to do things as a variety because a lot of times the drives are not there because there's no variety in what you're doing. 
you're just like, okay, well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the mood in the evening, but I'm kind of in the mood during the day, but I could get more in the mood during the day. If you brought about a shower, I could get more in the evening. If maybe we brought in some toys, um, variety makes a big difference. Um, definitely. And, and just understanding that there are going to be different times of the, of your relationship that you're going to have ebbs and flows and Mm -hmm. it is okay to have differences in desires and drives, but you just try to have to figure out where you can compromise, how to meet in the middle and not always have each experience focus on sex, which may still give you some of that uh, need of touch and connection where the one person who may not be as ready for intimacy as, as in sex, as an intercourse, they could still have those, you know, erotic massages and, you know, and can always help the partner with masturbation. Yeah. People don't talk about that enough. I think it's hot as hell to watch a guy masturbate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I don't know why more people aren't doing that. And also like they can, you can learn, like it's a learning experience too, because you can like watch how they touch themselves. You can, you know, uh, learn from it so that the next time that you're down there, you can kind of mimic it and ask them like, is this, you know, uh, but that kind of leads me to like another another point, which is how do you communicate with your partner about these things? I mean, this is all about communication ultimately, right? But how do you communicate about your anxieties, um, about, you know, uh, if you do have a mismatch or if there is something that you want to change, um, you know, if you want to try doing things at a different time of day? Um, I, I'm an open book with my partner, but I feel like it's an important uh, thing to talk about. Absolutely. A lot of people are, have, do have a hard time with it. Um, and especially like when I tell the people with the mutual masturbation, a lot of women feel very embarrassed because they may not masturbate themselves. So why would they masturbate in front of a, a partner? Um, just even that masturbation on their own for women is important for them to help get some of that confidence, confidence to know what they want and to even know what they need to ask for. And so communication is... You know, you say communication is key, but you also need that safe place to feel vulnerable. And so if you're not comfortable with your partner or you feel like you're going to be judged, and this happens a lot with men, believe it or not, that they are afraid to say something to their partner because their partner is going to look at them like they're crazy. There's many men that would love to be able to try. Have you heard of pegging? Um, It's where, yeah, yeah, they would love to try pegging where that's where a woman would wear a strap on and use it on the man for anal sex doesn't mean they're Mm -hmm. gay because it's a woman doing it. It just means that that area has a lot of um, nerve endings. And a lot of men are afraid to even bring it up because they fear that judgment from their partner. Their partner is going to look at them and think, Oh, you're gay. Or, Oh, you know, what, what are you doing? What is this? So it's that fear of judgment. I think that if you can take that off the table and have a safe place for your partner and talk to your partner and say, listen, whatever you say, it may not be something I like or I want to do, but I will leave that open space for you, judgment-free, to let you share fantasies, um, desires. And if someone says, well, I would love to have a threesome, don't automatically say, oh, you don't love me anymore. You don't like me. You don't right. find me attractive. Don't, don't automatically jump on your partner. Give them that space to say, okay, what is it about the threesome? Is it just we need more variety? Do we need to bring you know, um, somebody in, what is it about that? Is there something that you want to feel good about that I can help you with? So that's where that, that conversation needs to start. And it's just having each person being that open container for someone to be able to, to speak and asking your partner too, because they may not want to start 
start the conversation with your partner and say, listen, you know, we haven't really had this conversation before. And I heard on a podcast that it was really helpful to be open with your partner and share desires and things like that and, and be that open, you know, container for them. Absolutely. And uh, just being able to express them openly and also understand that like, just because somebody brings it up as a fantasy doesn't necessarily mean that they want it in reality. I mean, there are tons exactly. of things that I watch in porn right. that I do not want. Like, I, I would not feel safe with a gangbang in real life. Right. It might be something that I watch, <laughs> but it's not something that I want at all, uh, you know, in my personal life. Right. Um, and just, yeah, I think listening without judgment and you know, I think asking questions, like you said, about what is it about that? Right. And withholding that whole like, well, what does that mean about me? Because exactly. this isn't your moment. This is theirs to express how they're feeling. Exactly. And 99% of the time, it's not about that other person. And that's where those insecurities can cause issues right. in a relationship. And if you're able to just speak about what your desires and, and things are, I mean, what I do is for, for the women who want to bring in another man, and there's a lot of men who like to watch their woman with another man, but mm -hmm. they don't want that drama of it. We have a lot of suction cup, you know, uh, dildos, suction cup mm -hmm. vibrators that you can put on somewhere and, and have a, a third, have another penis and kind of have that experience where you're getting penetrated, you're doing oral at the same time, but the penetration's with a toy rather than a person. There's things right. to, to be able to do it and bring up the variety, which can help, um, you know, with that confidence also. Yeah, that's really great. And I mean, above all, like talking about it and, and sharing because ultimately if you're if you're having sex with this person, you should be able to talk to them about having sex with them. You should be able to. <laughs> but but it's so. not it's not always that easy. But it is it is a, a place where you really need that safety and, and feeling that you're not judged. And that will help a lot with the mismatched sex drives like we were talking about, is just finding out what can we do to help you in those times that maybe you need it or you feel like you're desiring something and I don't necessarily want to have sex? What else can I do to make you feel good? Would it be nice to bring you right. in a shower and just, you know, jerk you off? Is it nice for you if I'm really in the mood and you're not for you to just hold the vibrator what, or kiss me while I'm holding my vibrator? You know, just sticking a finger in me or whatever. If you, and then you can go off to bed in three minutes. You know, and it doesn't need to be awkward. No, it could be fun. That's it's fun, fun, fun. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, there's also a lot of, and I guess this is kind of a, a last point that I want to touch on before uh, we kind of wrap things up. But there's also, I think, a lot of. I think a lot of men have like fear of toys. They feel threatened yes. by toys. Yes. Um, how would you recommend like talking to your partner about that if toys are something that you want to incorporate? Um, it actually can go both ways because there's a lot of women that feel like, oh, well, my man needs to please me and I shouldn't have to use a toy, which is not a good you know, mindset to be in because no. <laughs> uh, I know that women that a lot of women do need the toys to help. Yeah, um, but there are stimulation is great. <laughs> exactly. And it's also just fun for variety. But for the men that feel intimidated by the toy, there's no way your body is ever going to be able to do what a toy can do. That's just that's what it is. But a toy is empty. A toy is a plastic or silicone thing. Um, and it's not, uh, you know, not something that they need to be worried about, because it's only going to enhance the woman's pleasure and may actually allow them to want to be more intimate 
because they know that they're able to do things to help themselves. And for men to understand that 75 to 80% of women do not have orgasms through intercourse, it is much more difficult for a woman to have an orgasm. And if they can have one with a toy with you, they're going to look at you with so much more respect because you're allowing them to own their pleasure. And that's what it's about. The women need to own their pleasure and the men should not be saying no. Definitely. I love that. Um, I guess to wrap up, like tell, tell me where people can find you, where they can find your Facebook groups, where they can find you on the internet, um, work with you, et cetera. Um, my, uh, website is drstacyfriedman.com and there's no E in my name. So it's just S T A C Y and, um, Dr. Stacy Friedman on Pinterest, Dr. Stacy on LinkedIn, Dr. Stacy Friedman on Instagram, Dr. Stacy Freeman on Facebook. <laughs> I'm all over with Dr. <laughs> Stacy Friedman. So you can find me for sure. I also have um, my Facebook groups, which like I had mentioned before, the women's group is called Intimacy, Sex, and Empowerment. And the men's only group is called Men's Sexual Health and Empowerment. And those are private groups for men and women. And we do a lot of great things on there. And Um, some more like podcasts like this type of things to be able to talk to others in the group. So it's a really uh, helpful group as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This was a a great conversation. I think uh, something that we haven't really covered before and that a lot of people probably have questions or shame about. So uh, great information. No, thank you so much. It it went really fast. So when you see what happens when you're having fun, (laughs) I know. Sex equals fun. It went by fast. So thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. No, I appreciate it. (laughs) All right. Uh, And thank you everybody for listening. This has been Wine, Dine, and 69. And let's keep talking. Mm